uh, either. So um, let's, uh, uh, let's pray this morning uh, over God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that as uh, we hear your word, we read your word, and uh, that we learn from it, that we would apply it. And Lord, that, uh, uh, that Lord, that you would fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit as I deliver your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 7 this morning. Hebrews chapter 7. And as you are returning there, we've been going through our uh, essential series, and we've learned, obviously, a variety of different doctrines that we need to know. Um, from salvation in, uh, by faith alone in Jesus Christ, to the biblical understanding of repentance and water baptism, to also uh, last week where we saw uh, what the Bible says about biblical manhood. And, but today, we're going uh, to see what the Bible has to say about tithing and giving. And so, uh, for some of you who are thinking, you know what? He didn't pray over the offering. He didn't you know, take up offering. Don't worry, we're going to do that, that at the end. Because I want to go through what Scripture says about tithing first, and so that way, if you're not tithing, you could say, you know what? You know what? Maybe I need to start doing that. Or, you know, you are tithing, you say, you know what? I've been encouraged by that, I'm going to keep doing that. And so, this morning, like I said, we're going to be talking about tithing and seeing what it means for the new testament believer are do we have to do it still you know because the argument that i always hear is well that's old testament we don't have to follow the old testament we won't need to follow that we don't need to do these things well this morning as we look through god's word we're going to see that obviously that uh that it is mentioned in the new testament as well but the thing is is that what the bible says about it so in hebrews chapter 7 we're going to start at verse 4 and this uh, the bible says now consider how great this man was unto, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of his spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the, uh, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of, of Abraham, but he who, uh, whose descent is not counted for them received tithes of Abraham, and blessed and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, uh, men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that liveth. So this is the last time in the New Testament, this is the last time in the Bible, that, that tithing is brought up. And what it is, is, is a story, it's, it's coming full circle, because the first time, is mentioned in Genesis chapter 14. The first time the word tithe even comes up is in Genesis 14. And, and the last one, the reason why it's full circle is because Hebrews 7 is speaking back to Genesis 14. And so it, it kind of caps, you know, uh, encapsulates the entire thing of, of tithing that we see. It all comes full circle, and they're all speaking of that same event uh, in, uh, in uh, Genesis 14 as it is in Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7 speaks of the believer no longer being under the Levitical priesthood. But under the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is Jesus Christ as the high priest. Abraham gave his tithe in Genesis 14 to the, uh, to the priest, in which Hebrews 7 says that this Old, uh, this Old Testament appearance was Jesus Christ. Melchizedek is the king of Salem, which later on would become Jerusalem. Melchizedek was said to have no father or mother. All right, And so that's how we know that... The, this is what the Bible is speaking of, that Melchizedek is actually an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament in Genesis 14. And so uh, let's read uh, Genesis uh, 14, starting at verse 18. And like I said, this is the first time that the word tithe is mentioned in Scripture. 
And Melchizedek, king of Salem, like I said before, that's later going to become Jerusalem, brought forth uh, bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed is Abram, or later on would become Abraham, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed to be the Most High God, who hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave, them, uh, gave him tithes of all. And so what we see in here is that this, obviously, this right here is before Aaron. The reason why I say that is because it's before Aaron, it's before the tribe of Levi, is it is even before, because um, most people say, well, that's Old Testament law. The tithe is Old Testament law. This is before the law is even given. So Abraham is giving tithes to the Lord before it's even instituted as a law in the Bible. It's even, uh, so what we see in this entire thing, and here's a little side note. For those of you know, that have you know, been here for the past five years, you know that how many times have I ever preached on tithing? I maybe have spoke maybe in passing or maybe a point about it in the past uh, you know, five years. Actually, over the entire time that I've been a pastor in the 14 years, this is an entire sermon dedicated to tithing. This is the first time that I've done it, so be gentle. No. I say all that to say this because I don't sit there and talk about it all the time. People think that all, that's all pastors do nowadays, is talk about money. They talk about money. Yes, every week we do take up an offering, but do we make a big deal out of it? No, we just sit there and say, you know what, if you're going to tithe, you're going to tithe. And if not, but the thing is, the Bible tells us that there's reasons why we do it. There's reasons why we tithe. There's a reason, for one thing, that God asks us you know, to do it. And like I said before, Abraham gives him, gives you know, Melchizedek, or Jesus Christ, tithes of all back in Genesis, uh, Genesis 14, and like I said, this is before the law is even instituted. And so we see that it has nothing to do with the law given. It was something that they always gave, um, uh, even before it was in instituted. And so now we're going to go on to Genesis 28, verse 22, because I want, to see, you know, I want people to, to realize, for one thing, what does the tithe mean? What does that word tithe mean? Where do we come up with that number a tenth? Well, let's see. In Genesis 28, verse 22, it says, And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou uh, shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. That's where the word tithe comes from. It's just a tenth. It even mentions it you know, in Hebrews 7. It mentions it in, in Genesis 7, what a tithe is. I'm glad that in God's word, that it will say a word. It'll say like the word tithe, and then like in the next sentence, it'll say a tenth you know, defining what that word means, defining what it means to give your tithe. It just means a tenth. And now, a tithe is different from an offering. Tithe is different from an offering. I think sometimes people look at it and they're like, I, I gave my tithe to this area or whatever. A tithe is completely different from an offering. An offering is above and beyond. So if you made like a faith promise to like a missionary or you did, um, you said, I'm going to give to this project over here, that's an offering. That doesn't take the place of a tithe, all right? And so I just want you guys you know, to realize, you know, uh, realize that as well. But in this case, in, G uh, in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob is setting up the house of the Lord called Bethel, or Bethel, and he gives a tenth to the Lord. Tenth liter uh, a tithe literally means one-tenth of what you possess, of your money, of your goods to the Lord. Wherever you have, you give a tenth to the Lord. And some, uh, some people say, well, no, it's only a tenth of my money. Well, obviously, you're 
you're buying stuff with money, and that's where that money is coming from. And so what we're going to see now in here, I'm going to go through some scriptures here, and I know that it's I'm moving fairly quickly at the beginning, but I want you to see why, uh, what the Bible says about it. And so if you uh, flip over a few to the right in Leviticus chapter uh, 27, because I'll get to those areas um, later on where people say, well, that's Old Testament, that's the law, I don't have to follow anything in the Old Testament. I mean, there's pastors, like, you know, popular pastors nowadays, and I use that term lightly, that say we don't even have to follow what the Old Testament says. We just need the, uh, the New Testament. And that's, you know, you know a complete lie. You've got to follow. There's things in the Old Testament that you, need, you still need to listen to. I mean, how many of you think, you know, it's probably a good idea that you shouldn't marry your sister? That's not mentioned in the New Testament. It's mentioned in the Old Testament. And I'm going to get on to, you know, uh, of how you discern what in the Old Testament you still follow and what you don't follow here in a moment. But in Leviticus chapter 27, starting at verse 30, it says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord, and if a man will at all redeem out of his, his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. He shall not, uh, he shall not search whether it be good or bad, neither uh, shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both uh, it and the change thereof shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. There are, uh, these are the commandments which the Lord uh, commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. Now, well, you know, some people will read that last part and they say, well, this is for the children of Israel. We are, the, you know, whereas there's a physical nation in the Old Testament that was God, you know, supposed to be God's chosen people, we as believers in Christ are now the children of Israel. We are, uh, we are believers in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are, that no longer is it the physical nation, but it is the spiritual nation, which is the believers in Christ, which are of Israel. If you don't believe me, read uh, you know, uh, Galatians chapter 2 and 3, and, and Romans, it speaks of it as well. But so far, what we have seen, for one thing, in this one, it says, let me go over that verse that I just read, is the, uh, what does it say? It says that uh, ties of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod. So basically, as sheep were going in, it would be like the first 10 that came in. The first 10, they're going, that's for the Lord. That's going to go towards the Lord. They didn't sit there and pick and choose which one. They're not supposed to be picking and choosing which one's the good one or the bad one. They just said, whatever passes under the rod first, those are going to be the ones that are going to go to the Lord. That's what it's going to be. And it says, what does it say? It says, whether it be good or bad. And so we see in this, uh, what we've seen so far in Genesis 14, that the tithe is given unto the Lord. In Genesis uh, 28, it says it's given unto God's house. And so, uh, and in Genesis 27, it says it belongs to who? To the Lord. In, these, uh, in those three portions of Scripture, we already see uh, what? That it's given to the Lord, it's given unto God's house, and it's, it belongs to the Lord. All right? And so a tenth, the, tenth, the tenth in God's mind is His. That, that 10%, God considers to be His, that it belongs to Him. 
And even, it even goes back to the Garden of Eden. You say, well, you know what? You just said that the first time that the word tithe appears is in Genesis 14. But the concept, the principle, goes back to the Garden of Eden. You say, how, how so? Well, God, what did he do in the Garden of Eden? He said, you know what? You can eat from any tree that you want to, any and all trees here. You can eat whatever you want to except for one tree. That's mine. And what ended up happening? You know, Adam and Eve, basically, you were like, we're not going to listen to the Lord, and we took what was not ours. But that concept's still there. It's even in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, you know, obviously, you know, we just saw here that the first 10 that passed through in Leviticus chapter, you know, 27 is what's supposed to happen. What does Abel do? We see Abel, he brings his firstlings, that's what it means, his firstlings, of the flock. You know, the first fruits. What does it mean? That when you get paid, you bring that first 10%. You don't wait until after everything is paid for, after all the bills and everything else. No, the Bible says that you take out the first 10%. Why? Because we all know what's going to happen. If you go through and you pay every single one of your bills, by the time you get to the end, you're like, I'm not, I don't have enough. And the thing is, is that also we see here that the Bible says, I mean, obviously if God is number one in our life, what are we going to do? We're going to give God what is his, you know, right away. We're going to give him the first 10%, right? And so that's what, it, that's what it speaks of. And so we look at it, like I say, the first 10th, and it's given to the Lord. Tithing is, is actually throughout the entire Bible. It happens before the law of Moses is given, as I, just, as I said just a little bit earlier. And so far we have examples of tithing in Genesis and the law. Uh, uh, sorry, in Genesis, before, we have two examples before uh, Genesis, and even more so, obviously, with Cain and Abel, uh, given before the law is even given, and then, obviously, when the law is given in Mount Sinai in Leviticus uh, 27. Now, I want to go back to Leviticus 27. It says, good for bad, and also, it, it's vice versa. It's bad for good. It doesn't matter. In his mind, like I said, the first 10 that comes, that's what it is. The first 10% that comes, the first 10th that comes. It says, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. He shall not search whether it, it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. So the first ten, like I said, goes under that rod, uh, goes through, and that is what we bring to the Lord. It's not a picking and choosing kind of a thing. Also, uh, I'm going to go back to Genesis 28, where he talked about, um, where he talked about giving, you know, at the house of Bethel, you know, what she said, and this stone, which I have set for, the, for a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, this actually also mirrors, and it's actually, uh, just, like, just like we looked at 7, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, and Genesis 14 being the same event, it also speaks of the same event, and first, uh, for Genesis 28, it speaks of the, uh, of the same event in Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And this stone, and we know, obviously, from the Bible that the stone is Jesus Christ, which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So what is he saying in this, in this verse? He's saying, you know what? He says, which I have set for a pillar, which is God's house. So there's God's house, the church. And he says, I have set a rock upon it, Jesus Christ, the word of God. So we see this even back in Genesis 28, that the word of God has been established, the church has been established back then. He's saying here's a pillar, this, is, this right here is, 
is, is uh, the church, and here's a rock, and that's Jesus Christ, his word. He's establishing these things through it, and he talks about the fact that one of the things that's going to be established is what? The tenth that he's going to give, uh, that we're going to give back to him because it's God's. And so, sorry, in, in, in uh, 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest uh, know how, uh, how thou uh, oughtest to behave thyself in, thy, uh, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The pillar of the ground of truth. That is speaking of that same event that happens in Genesis uh, chapter 28. And 1 Timothy uh, speaks of that same thing, that we have that, you know, the pillar and the rock, which is Jesus Christ and the church together. And it's both going to that. If you want to turn over to Numbers chapter 18, uh, we're going to be uh, going through there. I have, I have quite a few, you know, uh, uh, scriptures on this. Actually, I believe pretty close to every single verse that, that speaks of tithing uh, this morning. And don't worry, well, we should get out about, you know, 12, 30, 40, 45, maybe 3 o'clock, somewhere around there. So we ought to be good, right? I mean, we have nothing until tonight. I love you, David. He was, uh, he was you, know, uh, you know, massaging his neck. All right. Uh, numbers 18 verses, um, let's see here. Uh, 23 and 24, Numbers 18, 23 and 24. It says this, But the Levites shall do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they shall bear their iniquity, and it shall be a statute forever uh, throughout your generations, that among the children of Israel they have no inheritance. But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as a heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. And so we here, what ends up happening in this is the Levites, which are the, you know, the, the priests, as you will see, they didn't have to work. Why? Because in this verse it says, the Levites didn't work in the fields because they would live off the tithes given by everybody else. They had, you know, and I'll get into the, you know, the duties and the, you know, and their, and the procedures that they were supposed to uh, be a part of, but they didn't work in the fields. The Levites, you know, uh, they were in charge of, you know, quite a few things as far as God's word, preaching it, and all that kind of stuff. But they basically didn't work in the fields, and they lived off the tithes. Why? Because there were things, you know, that they considered to be more important, like, you know, teaching and preaching God's word. And so, like I said, in a few moments, I'll get to the differences between priests and Levites um, here in a moment. If you want to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 14. Like I said, we're going to go, you know, and look at this because... I figure I got 14 years of not, you know, preaching on tithing, so I got to get it all in one, you know, one service. Deuteronomy chapter 14, starting at verse 22 through 29, says, "Thou shalt uh, truly tithe all the increase of thy land, that the field bringeth forth year by year, and thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God, in uh, in the place which he shall call, uh, he shall choose, to uh, place his name there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil." And the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks. And so we've already seen that you know, the firstlings, the tithes, they're all synonymous. That thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place you know, be uh, too far from thee, which the Lord thy God uh, shall choose to set uh, his name there, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, 
Then thou shalt turn it into money, and bind out the money in thy hand, and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Now I want to stop there for a moment, because in this part, what does it say? It says basically if you have wine, you have you know, um, you know your, your, your flocks and your herds and all that kind of stuff, and if it's too far to go, what does he say to do? Turn it in for money. And so the tithes, you know, because most of the time people will say, well, the tithes were only livestock, fruits, vegetables, all that kind of stuff, no, which is true, but oftentimes it was turned into money because of the fact of how far they would have to go. And so um, that's one of the things that we need to realize is basically it's what our jobs are. What do they do in the Old Testament? Most of them were farmers, right? And so they had their herds, they had their grain, they had all this stuff. And so if it was too far to go, they said, you know what, I'm not going to carry this stuff, you know, however many miles. They would go and they would change it for money. Let's continue. And thou, uh, thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, uh, after, for oxen or for sheep or for wine or for strong drink or for whatsoever thy soul desireth. And thou shalt eat, uh, eat there before the, the Lord thy God. And thou shalt rejoice and thou in thine hi- uh, household. And the Levite that is within the, uh, thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he, uh, he hath... No part nor inheritance with thee. And at the end of the three years, thou shalt, thou shalt bring forth of all the tithe, uh, tithe of thine uh, increase of the same year, and uh, shall lay up within thy gates. And the, and the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, which are within the gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all thy work of thine hand, which thou, are, uh, thou doest. And so like I said before, we see obviously in this passage that yes, uh, it, was, you know, it was livestock, it was fruits and vegetables and all those kind of things, but we know, uh, you know that in this that it was turned into money to be brought to the house of God. And here's the other thing is, what do we see in here? It says, are we able to, or do we have the idea that we should be able to bring it wherever we want to? Or that we should be able to give it wherever we want to? Because we see in here, what does it say? It says, it is, you know, that we can't bring it wherever we want to, but the Bible says that we bring it wherever the Lord shall choose. Where, does he, where did he choose? The church. That's the way he did. He chose God's house as a place to give the tithe and the offering. And so, the, uh, what we need to, uh, you know, see here is obviously, you bring the tithes for the Levites, you know, this concept, you know, of bringing that to the Levites, but who are the Levites? Well, they're like the priests, but a little bit different. And like I said, I'm going to get to that point here in a moment. But here's the thing also in this portion of Scripture. What does it say? That when the tithes are given, where does it, obviously it goes to God's house. And who does it bless? It doesn't just bless the pastor. It blesses everybody. I mean, you know, think about, I mean, it blesses the church as a whole. I mean, there are times here where we've had meals. You didn't have to pay, Right? Because why, you know, the tithe was, you know, given and we're able to do it. Or the fact of, you know, like here you'll see, in, you know, in a, at the end of service, you know, that I was, you know, was going to say this, but I might as well say it now, is that we have a whole bunch of clothes, you know, male, female, whatever, shoes, and every, all, I mean, you guys know our, our gym back there is packed full of stuff to give away. And so, you know, it's not just to have a building, it's not just to whatever, but it's to bless everybody, Right? And we're, uh, after, after we bless you, we're going to bless the community with it. 
And so that's what, that's what the tithe, that's what, you know, that's what it, it goes to, is to blessing others. Like I said, we have meals, um, and we just come on in, and we just eat. We have a good time. Or, you know, like I said, we give away clothes, we give away food or other items. I mean, we, we've given away food. Like, there's been people that have come up to the church and say, I've fallen on hard times, can I get some food? And we've given away food. Also, when, you know, when a member, like, falls on hard times, we go out and we, get them, we try to get them food, we try to get them clothes, we try to do all those things. And so it's not just to bless, you know, the pastor or have a, you know, a cool building or whatever. It's to bless the body of Christ. It's also to bless the community, you know, that we go through and we, we, we bless you know, everybody, I mean, there's, we have food, you know, here, you know, so, like I say, if, if you are falling on hard times, or you're just like, hey, you know what, I didn't quite make it to the end of the month on my check, come talk to us, and so, like I say, after service, um, we'll open that all up in the back, and if you haven't seen it, it looks like we opened up a clothing store in the back, I'm not lying, I mean, we have actually have back stock, like I said, like a clothing store. I was like, I thought I left like retail clothing, you know, like when, you know, a long time ago, like 20 years ago, but evidently I did not. I mean, it's, and I'm thankful for all the ladies that came in and sorted and sifted through all that stuff and, uh, you know, put all the things in size order. And it's not just clothing. I mean, we have candles, we got like bath mats, we got uh, shelving, we got, I mean, just go back there. There's a possibility if you've been looking for it, we have it in the back, all right? Just to let you know uh, that we have that. But we also see the same concept of, of, being, uh, of blessing, you know, those in the church in 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 31. 2 Chronicles chapter 31, starting at verse 4. It says, Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelleth in Jerusalem to give the portion of the, uh, portion of the priests and the Levites, that they may be encouraged in the law of the Lord. And as soon as the commandment uh, came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and of all the increase of, of the field, and the tithe of all the things brought uh, they in abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that, dwell, uh, that dwelt in the city of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep, and the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated unto the Lord thy God, and laid, uh, and laid them by heaps. And in the third month they began to uh, lay the foundation of of heaps and finished them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the, and the priests came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people. Then Hezekiah questioned with the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have left plenty. And for uh, and for the Lord hath blessed his people, and that which is left is, is, is this great store. And so what we see there, when everybody gives their tithe, the church itself has enough, and more some, you know, more some, has more than enough. And so if, if we as a body of believers, you know, and I'm, like I said, I don't, you could, if Miss Francis was here, but you could ask the deacons, I don't go through and say, well, it's been a while since so-and-so has paid. I don't look at the, you know, the only time that I ever see, like, how much is given to the church is at the business meetings. I don't go through it. I don't sit there and look at it and go, I mean, yes, month to month, we look at, you know, what's come in, but we, there's no names on there. I don't look at, you know, what you give. And so right now, I could be, you know, just preaching to the choir and everybody in here gives. I have no idea. 
Am I right, Brother Doug? That's the thing is, I don't go through and go, and there are some churches that do that. I know some people that have literally gotten letters from churches saying, you know, it's been a while since you paid your tithe, so if you don't start doing it, we're going to start taking it. And they have, like, their credit card information. How would you like it if I all of a sudden called you up and said, well, <laughs> David, it's been a while. I'm taking it out of your paycheck, you know, out of your, out of your credit card. He, I, I'm guaranteeing that he'd take it out of my hide if I did. But I know that, you know, but that's the thing is, is that we don't do it. But if what it's saying here is that if everyone in the house of God, everyone that's a believer would pay their tithe, it says what? That they not only had enough, but they had more than enough. That they were able to bless even more. And that it went on to what? It went on for three, four months. That they were just eating this food that they got. They just kept on going and they're just having, you know, fellowship meals and everything else after every service throughout the week because they just had so much. And like it says, it says, since the, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have left plenty. For the Lord hath blessed his people, and that which is left is this great store. And so if everyone, like I said, everyone brings in a tithe, the church always has enough. And it's not about the fact of buildings. I've seen way too many churches, they start these building projects, they're like, you got to do this. And it's more of a, a notch on the pastor's belt than it is as a thing for the community. The reason why I know this is because I go to pastor's meetings. Well, we're in this one meeting. We've got this you know, $50,000 square foot you know, thing, that, you know, sorry, 50,000 50, square foot facility that's going to cost us you know, $3 billion. And, but praise God, he's in a... It's not about the, you know, all the, you know, building all these fancy facilities and everything else. But it's to further the kingdom of God by sharing God's word with people. That's what it's about. It's never about fancy facilities. It's never about those. I'm grateful for the you know, facilities that we have here. I mean, there's not too many you know, places that have you know, a gym that's full, you know, be able to have all that stuff you know, back there or a kitchen or any of that kind of stuff. But it's, it's to further God's kingdom through his word and the tithes are used to upkeep his house. They're obviously used to bless the people in the church but also to keep, uh, upkeep his house. And the reason why I say that is because we're going to look at here in a moment what ends up happening when uh, ties dip down and uh, and they're not able to, uh, and uh, and things are not able to go as well, uh, turn over to Nehemiah chapter ten. Nehemiah chapter ten. We see here in verse thirty-seven. Let's read. It says, "And that we should bring the first fruits of our dough." I saw that part there, and I kind of laughed because you know the first fruits of our dough, you know, money. And so I started laughing at that. Anyways, and our offerings, and of the fruit of all manner of trees, and of wine, and of oil, unto the priests, uh, to the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithes of our ground, unto the Levites, that the same Levites may have the tithes in all the cities of, of our tillage. And the, uh, the priest of, of the son of Aaron shall be the Levites. When the, uh, when the house of our God, uh, when the house of our God, to the chambers, into the treasure house for for the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn of the new wine and the oil unto the chambers where are the vessels of uh, where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers and we shall not forsake the house of the Lord 
One thing I wanted to bring out, this is a little side note. Every time that you read the word wine in the Bible, it does not mean that that's the same concept that we have nowadays. You know, it's not the same thing as, like, you know, going out and getting drunk. You know, there's, and I can, you know, spend a whole, you know, a sermon on that about how, you know, what the Bible means by wine and everything else uh, in different, because you have to read the context of it. But anyways, but what it said, the last part it says, we will, uh, we will not forsake the house of our God. He's asking where the tie is going. So here I'm going to answer that question that I told you earlier, where, because in here it talks about, specifically it talks about the priests and the Levites. And so as I'm doing that here in a moment, I'll turn over a couple pages in Nehemiah to Nehemiah chapter 12. The differences between the tithe goes to the Levite, all right? It says, you know, and that's a massive tribe of people. They preached the word of God. They were singers. They took down the, uh, the tabernacle and put it back up. They cleaned the building. They offered sacrifices. They taught. They did all kinds of manner of services. They were uh, helpers and workers uh, within the church, and the, um, they were a smaller groups within uh, the tribe of Levi. Now, the tithe of tithes goes to the priest. They are a higher-ranking group with it within the Levites, and they offer the morning and evening sacrifices. They offer the burnt offerings before the Lord on the Day of Atonement, and they offer the actual sacrifices and teach and preach the word of God. So basically, I guess the way you can look at it is that the priest is like the pastor, and then like the, uh, the Levites would be like the deacons in that, uh, within that area. And so that's what we see, but in this, um, as we go into Nehemiah chapter uh, 12 and also in uh, chapter 13, we're going to see what happens when, uh, when God's people withhold the tithe. Nehemiah chapter uh, 12 verse 44 says, And at that time, when some appointed over the chambers for the treasures, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes, to gather into uh, them out of the fields of the cities, the portions of the law for the priests and Levites, for Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. Now go uh, turn over another chapter into uh, Nehemiah chapter 13. We're going to start at verses 10 through 12. And it says, And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. Then contended I, this is Nehemiah getting angry with what's happening because he's like, where are they at? Things are being withheld. This is not good. He says, then I uh, contended I with the, uh, with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil unto the treasuries. And so we see in verse 10 it says, the Levites were not, what, what ends up happening is the Levites were not able to live off the tithes anymore. And so they had to go out to the fields because they were not able to provide for their families. They were not able to buy food. They were not able to, so they had to go out and they had to work outside the church. Now, if you work outside the church, you know, as a pastor, it's not a bad thing or, you know, you know a wrong thing because sometimes that, you know, that happens. But here's the thing is that they had that set of stuff was is that uh, God's people had withheld the tithe. And what did he say? He says the fact is, is that they, they were not doing what they were supposed to do. They were, with, uh, they were out without that. And also what? The house of God was forsaken. The house of God was falling apart. The house of God was not the way that, you know, that it should be out there. And in verses 11 and 12, it says, the house, you know, like I said, the house of God is falling apart, and then there was no teaching and preaching of God's word happening. That's the biggest problem. 
is that because of all this, because they had forsaken the, you know, the house of God, because of all these things, the priests having to be, uh, be out there, and there was no teaching and preaching happening in God's, uh, God's house. Now think about it. You say, like, one Sunday, you know, like, all of a sudden I just don't show up. I guarantee I'll have a phone call from about, you know, at least five, at least five people, because I have deacons, where are you at? If not more, you know, because whatever. Because Why? Not because, not because you, know, the, you know, the church sits there and you know, pays the pastor or anything else. Because they want to hear God's word teached. That's why we come here, right? Yes, you know, there's people here that we talk to, we see, we have fellowship with, we have a great time with. But you come here because you want to hear God's word taught and preached. Amen? And that's, you know, and that's you know, the whole reason why they would be calling. But like, well, who's going to preach? Who's going to teach? I told Brother Doug, you know, you know a few weeks ago when I was... Uh, when I was not, you know, filling up, when I was filling under the weather, that if Pastor Jordan was, you know, didn't come in, he was next up. Doubt it. Brother Doug's like, please never let that happen. Please never let that happen. But here's a uh, here's a very very uh, popular portion of scripture. If you uh, turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three. Have you noticed I have yet to get to the very, very famous portion of Scripture that everybody talks about for tithing? Malachi chapter 3. I have yet to actually get to that portion of Scripture. I have said yet because it's coming up. Because that's where every pastor goes to. They automatically go to Malachi chapter 3, and they go there. But anyways, Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 5, says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now, that's where Pepper goes, praise God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to acknowledge him. Well, let's read on. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and tomorrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy, what? Substance. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall their barns be filled with plenty, and their presses shall burst out with new wine. That's all in the same thing. God is saying, trust me with all your heart. What does that have to do oftentimes? Trusting the Lord with all your heart, sometimes you, know, you say, you know what? I need to trust him in this area of finances. There's benefits to doing this, and I'm going to get that, you know, uh, you know, to that as well. But what does it say? It says, honor the Lord with your substance and with your first fruits and all thy increase. And what's going to happen? It says, your, your barns are going to be filled with plenty and your presses are going to burst out with new wine. That you're going to have more than what you need when you trust you know, God this way, when you follow him in this way of giving of the tithes and offering. Now let's turn over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, starting at verse 8. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have uh, robbed me. But ye say, wherein have I robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The local church. That there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of, of your ground. Neither shall your, uh, your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field. Time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall be called blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. 
Now, I know that there are pastors out there that will use this as a way of promoting their own agenda. And they'll sit there and use this thing. But here, it says, what does it say? It says, how do we rob God? And you say, well, why would God use that term, rob him? It's like, I'm not robbing him. But remember, back in the Garden of Eden, he gave us everything. He just said, I just want that one tree. The same thing with Cain and Abel. Cain, you know, sorry, Abel came with his, what, firstlings, his first fruits. He knew that that was, that belonged to the Lord. If something belongs to you and somebody takes it, what is that called? Robbing. God, you know, looks at it that way. So how do we rob God with the tithe? It says, remember that, you know, remember that the tithe belongs to the Lord. We saw that in Leviticus 27. And here's the other part. And I know that this goes on a lot, not just here, but all over the place, because it has to. It has to happen a lot. This is not for televangelists. This is not for the ones on TV. Do you know why? They have no church. And not for their false belief of blessing. They go on there, well, you know that you know, if you give to me, you know, a hundredfold is coming your way. Heresy. And the reason why I say that it's in abundance, why? Because there's reasons why Kenneth Copeland has a couple jets. There's a reason why Creflo Dollar has a couple jets and was trying to evade the, uh, the IRS. All these televangelists, the vast majority of them, I say majority of them because probably there's probably 1% out there that's probably actually doing it for the right reason. I'm going to give that. But that's probably a very, very liberal number that I'm giving. They, the tithe does not go to the televangelist. Mike Murdoch, is he the one that does the, oh no, that's Peter uh, Popoff that does the, uh, the Miracle Spring Water and there was somebody, I, I laughed at this one, it, it, was, it was Peter Popoff, he got, he said, you know what, call me, I'll send you this, this cloth and he started quoting, you know, where uh, Paul like would lay, you know, his handkerchief on, on people and then it would just, people would get healed. But here's the funny part, he goes, I'm going to give you the cloth for free, but you got to call up and give so you know $20 to activate the blessing. What here? I mean, what is? I mean, I just sit there, I, and it makes me just. If there was the possibility that I could stick my hands through the TV and just going, mm, just because what it's doing is giving uh, you know Jesus Christ a bad name because most people believe like uh, you know that all Christians are like Popoff or Murdoch or you know Copeland or uh, you know. Osteen or whatever. That they go around there and they give this money to them. And the thing is, is for one thing, it says it goes to the local church. I know some of you right now are going, you're stepping on my toes. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Give to the local church and then you say, well, you know what? I want to give outside of that. Give to missionaries. Sorry, I'm about, I got to calm down for a moment. It just irritates me, especially, especially when pastors use this as a way of salvation, that if you don't bless the pastor, then you're not saved. Then Jesus must not have been saved. You say, well, that's, that's just wrong. Well, think about it. Jesus said that he had no place to rest his head. Paul and, uh, you know, he had the Apostle Paul who said that he, he knew, you know, what it was to have want and to have need. He knew what it, what it meant to, to be shipwrecked. I mean, these people must have missed a blessing on, you know, on, on what these, you know, these false teachers are teaching. 
Sorry. Whew. All right. Here's what God's saying in Malachi chapter 3. God's blessing is this. You will, be, uh, you will live better on the 90% than you will on the 100%. You say, that doesn't make sense. Nobody said it had to make sense. God said it, and I believe it. That's what his word says. He says, you're going to live better. I'm going to open up the floodgates of heaven, the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing on you, when you get, uh, and you'll be able to live better on the 90% than you will on the 10%. Here's the thing, is that that blessing is that God is promising to make up the difference. And who do you want on your side? Who do you want to make up the difference, the world or Jesus Christ? That is, is that God is promising to make up the difference. I don't know about you, but man lies. Man you know, says, I, I promise, and then they fall, they fall through every time. Jesus Christ, God has never lied. And if he promises it, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. Amen? Here's the curse, because it talks about blessing and cursing in Malachi that he can cause that 10% that you want to keep to yourself for you to lose it and to lose more. That's what it means. So whereas you were going to hold that back and say, I'm going to use that for a retirement, or I'm going to use that for a new boat, or I'm going to use that for whatever, and I'm not saying these things are bad. I just got done talking, you know, this last week, you know, trying to get, you know, retirement ready, all right? That's not a bad thing, but when you're taking, you're taking what's rightfully God's and belongs to him, and you say, no, I'm going to use it for me, he's going to cause, that's the curse, he's going to take that 10% and cause you to lose it. He will. I mean, think about those times where you said, I am not going to do it, I, you know, I, I can't pay my tithe this month for whatever reason, and you come and you go, man, where'd all my money go? He caused you to lose it. You say, well, why would... God is supposed to love me and do what he does. But he's trying to teach you a principle that not everything that you have is yours, that it belongs to him. Here's the funny thing is that there's been times, and I've shared this before, where my wife and I had given our tithe. That was the first thing that we've decided, you know, since we were married. When I got saved, you know, I, I heard about it. I was like, I got to do that. It was nothing about the pastor pressuring me or anything else. But I said, I got to do that. But ever since we, you know, we've been married, we've tithed. That was the first thing we did. And there's been times where we've tithed and we said, you know what, I don't think I'm, we're going to be able to go. And like I said, there was times where we were wanting to go visit family. We lived out in Colorado, and it was about a 16-hour drive to one family member's house and a 12-hour drive to the other one. And we're just like, you know what, Lord, you know, we've paid everything. You know, we've, we, we've given to you, you know, first, and we just weren't able to go. We're just not going to be able to go. Yes, we have presents for, for our family, but we'll just have to mail them because we just don't have, we don't have gas to get there. And I'm not saying that it's always financial. There's always, you know, there's health, you know, you know to be blessed with. I mean, there's all kinds of God, ways that God's, you know, God can bless you other than money. But in this case, what ended up happening was, you know, we were just like, okay, you know, we're just, we decided we're just not going to go. We went to a prayer meeting that night, and as we we're getting ready to walk out, person came up and said, you know what, I, I really feel like the Lord would have me to give this to you. And, he just, and we just said, no, 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 that's okay. He says, no, God wants me to bless you. You need, and it's hard for believers to t- you know, receive a blessing, but it's, if the Lord's blessing you, receive it. I speak that as a person that is always arguing with people, it's like, stop, 
I, no, I, you know, it's okay. You don't have to do that. And I've done that many a times. And then the person says, you know, I felt like God wants me to bless you with this. And I, I have to sit there and say, okay, I, I'll receive that blessing. But they went like this, and they, and they just passed it and said, the Lord, give I said, no, that's okay. They said, no, God wants me to bless you. And it was more than enough for what, I, what we needed for gas to go visit family. When we trust the Lord, he will make up the difference. Don't sit there and go to your checkbook and try and figure out how it's going to be okay for us to give 10% and go, it just doesn't add up. It won't. When you start trusting in the Lord, you'll see how the Lord is just, uh, somehow or another, he increases what you have. I don't know how it works. I just, I just have seen it happen time and time and time again. I mean, remember in this verse in, uh, in uh, Malachi uh, chapter 3, it talks about the devourer. He will devour. Yeah, curse, he's going to devour that 10%. There are, we need to remember also in Matthew uh, 6.33, it says, But seek ye the, uh, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we follow what God has for us. Here's the other part of it. Is that the Bible says, obviously, that there's six days of work and then the Sabbath day. The same concept is in farming. Do you know that? He says for us that we are to work six days and then take a day of rest. The concept that works in farming. The Bible says that uh, in farming, well, we, there's supposed to be a Sabbath year. That for, if you farm land for six years, then you're supposed to, on the seven year, uh, seventh year, let the ground rest. That that ground that has been there for, you're doing it for six years, and you know, whatever, on the seventh year, you're supposed to give it rest. And you know, here's the funny thing is, is that modern science, you know, now says, hey, you know what, that's true, that you'll get better crops after you give that land rest. So what happens, some people will say, well, what happens on that seventh year? If, you know, if you have that seventh year and the land rests, you're not getting any food. But the, uh, he also says that, God says that, you know what I'm going to do? When you, when you decide to have that Sabbath year, he says, I'm going to give you triple in the sixth year. So you have more than enough in the seventh year, and you have enough for the eighth year while you're trying to get that food back. I mean, that's just like God, you know, he says, you know, if you trust me, I'm going to take care of you. Here's the differences between the Old Testament and New Testament, because some people will still sit there and say, you've used most, most uh, Old Testament verses, you know, to, to talk about tithing. Well, here's the thing. There are some things in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament that we don't have to do anymore, and some things in the New Testament. We don't have to offer animal sacrifices anymore. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain once for all. We don't, we don't have Aaron, the high priest, and the Levitical priesthood. Jesus is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Israel is no longer the holy nation. The holy nation now is made up of all believers, whether Jew or Gentile. In the Old Testament, it said that we are only allowed to eat certain meats. Now we're able to eat all meats. And those that love bacon say Amen. He specifically changed dietary laws and says that we can eat all meats. The New Testament explicitly changes this law. He specifically changed the Sabbath and says that we don't have to observe the Sabbath. We see this in actually in Colossians chapter 2, Romans 14, and Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus also said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He says that we're not to observe the feasts, the new moons, or the Jewish holidays anymore. Anything in the Old Testament, unless God changes it in the New Testament, it still stands. If he didn't change them, they still stand. 
people have, like I said, people have a problem with the Old Testament and say that we only need to follow the New Testament, and the Old Testament is no longer needed. So because of you know, that point, I'm going to bring out a couple, uh, a couple of these things, and you tell me whether or not that we should just do away with them because it's Old Testament. All right? Is it, I asked this one question before. Is it okay to marry your sister or your aunt? I'm guessing by you know some of the looks on your face, I would say you know that's that's probably still a good one to keep. Is it okay to look upon your grandmother's nakedness? These are all Old Testament, you know. So, is it okay you know for a for an adult to go and I don't even want to be with a child intimately? That's Old Testament. That's not brought up in the New Testament, except for Jesus said that if you, uh, that basically you, if you offend a child in any way, that you should have a millstone you know, cast around your neck. These are all ones that are in the Old Testament. These have not changed. The Old Testament, there's stuff that is still you know, working. Like I said, unless the New Testament explicitly changes it, then you know what? They are still in effect today. If God didn't change it, or, or yeah, God didn't change it, then it hasn't changed. So has the tithe changed? There is no scripture in the New Testament that says that you don't have to tithe anymore. There's not a one. There are, um, does you, the New Testament also does, the two times it talks about tithe in the Gospels, it's brought up, and people will look at this and say, see, this is a bad thing. No, Jesus never speaks bad of the tithe. He's saying that's okay, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 says, Woe unto them, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay the tithe of mint and incense and, and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and, uh, and not to leave the other undone. What is he saying? He's saying, you know what? You did right in paying your tithe. He says, but here's the problem. You've omitted the stuff that actually also really, really matters. They were doing it, why? Because they wanted to be seen. Because let's face it, you go out to that you know, offering box outside the door over here and you drop an envelope and there's somebody's going to see you unless you mail it in. Luke chapter 18, uh, verse, verse 12, it says, I fast twice, a week, twice in a week and I give tithes of all I possess. This is, Jesus is rebuking the fact of the Pharisee for his tithing because he's doing it out of his arrogance and pride because he's exalting himself and his works. What is he talking about? When, when this Pharisee is making this comment, he's talking about, you know what, I fast twice a week and I tithe. And he's doing it because the publican is over there ripping his shirt open, begging God for mercy. He's saying, you know, I, I think I'm better than this person because, you know, I tithe and I fast twice a week. But it's not the fact that, you know, that Jesus is mad that they're, you know, he's tithing. He says, you know what, you're missing the point because this person that's down there begging out to God, you know, crying out to God for mercy... He's doing things out of the right reasons, out of the right heart. So is tithing still to be done in the New Testament? Yes. Plain and simple. We saw, and I'm going to recap this real quick. Tithing versus not tithing. When you tithe, you're giving unto God what is his, what is rightfully his. If you don't tithe, the Bible says that you're robbing God. If you tithe, it, you receive a, you know, a blessing. If you don't tithe, curse. If you tithe, you see God will make up the difference. But if you don't tithe, you will watch God, you will watch God cause you to lose that 10% in some way, shape, or form.
These, this is not a tactic you all of a sudden get you to do it. You can sit there and say, you know what, I, you know what Pastor? You, I know you just talked about it and you, play, you, you laid it out for me. I still don't want to tithe. That's up to you. I'm not going to make anybody in here tithe. Like I said, I don't sit there and take a list and go, oh, they didn't, they didn't pay this week. I, I honestly don't know who ties and who doesn't. Actually, I, I got to take that back. I do know who ties and who doesn't as far as in relation to deacons because that's part of our constitution of bylaws that says that they must, you know, tithe. But they were tithing beforehand. And, they, and I, I can guarantee that every single deacon that is here will tell you the blessing that they have, you know, received because of it. My thought is, is that I would rather be blessed than cursed. That's my, that, that's my two cents on it. And uh, Brother Doug, would you pray over the offering and the tithe, please?